1: Listener questions live on Friday afternoon. The Bengals take on the Browns. The Battle of Ohio. First chapter taking place on Sunday at Paul Brown Stadium. I'm Anthony Cazenza, joined by John Sheeran with a wild shirt he's got on. I love it. A wild shirt for a wild week. And he's cracking one. I love it. I love it. <laughs> John, what's going on, bud?
2: You know, I'm just living it up, man. Imagine if we had a Packers podcast. Imagine what oh this day God. would be like for us.
1: Oh, my God. Uh, Yeah, I... I wouldn't even know what to do with, with all of that. And I, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here. I I go in uh, on Fridays. I go and I pick up my son from, from school. He does uh, like little half days at his preschool. And, you know, I know I feel like I talk about this guy all the time, but listen to Colin Cowherd and really for the better part, better part of this week, his entire show has been dominated by Aaron Rodgers, the Packers and all kinds of different things. So um, yeah, a wild week. And then of course, uh, we've got news as it pertains to the Cleveland Browns who come to Cincinnati this week they finally cut ties with Odell Beckham jr. reached a breaking point we've got a lot of questions there that uh, pertaining to that and this coming Sunday coming up so um, I'm sure we will we will talk about that otherwise how's your week going John are you, are you doing all
2: right yeah man doing was doing well Wednesday when we last talked I'm doing doing well now we got got a busy weekend in Cincinnati football mm-hmm. ahead of us and we're going to mm-hmm. kick it off here with answering some of your questions. Awesome.
1: Well, just to uh, I'm going to let you bat lead off here in just a sec, but before we do, I just want to remind folks you can get your questions to us in a number of different ways whether it's in a number of different live chats that we have going on our YouTube channel, on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page, there is a post on cincyjungle.com. We've kind of did a rally cry for for some tweets, uh, John Sheeran and on the on the Bengals OBI Twitter accounts, you can hit us up there. That's where a lot of them are coming from. You can call or text 949-542-6241. So we will keep an eye on that. And of course, you can email us theobinsider at gmail.com. So, John, where would you like to start off first, my friend?
2: Let's go to a good friend of the program, Russ Blackthorne, who asked us on Twitter, what do the Bengals need to improve the most? Now, eight games into the season and nine games to go. Remaining.
1: What do the Bengals need to improve on the most? That is a great question. By the way, uh, he had, we had a little direct message exchange. He he said he had wished that the Browns had kind of hung on to Odell Beckham and just sat him. Uh, just kind of a, a little side conversation to this. But uh, and I said, I mean, I I kind of get that from an old school kind of coaching perspective, but. For the Browns, you, you can't let this hang around your your locker room. You gotta you gotta move on there. We'll talk more OBJ in a minute. But what I think the Bengals need to improve on the most, John, uh, is is really just kind of being consistent on both sides of the ball. There seems to be a lot of feast or famine. There seems to be a lot of, you know, it, it, there, there's some explosiveness, especially in the second half on offense, where they you know sometimes they have to play catch up or sometimes they. You know, make some maybe make some adjustments at halftime or what have you. It seems as if the first quarter is very sluggish on offense for the most part. Um, it seems as if the pass rush, you've got a couple of guys who are pretty consistent in getting to the passer for the most part. You got Trey Hendrickson up there towards the NFL leaders and sacks, Larry Ogan Joby on the interior doing some nice things, Sam Hubbard every once in a while have, having, uh, you know, a nice game. One of his better years of his career overall, I would say. But Regardless, I think just in general, the consistency from drive to drive. And I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm not unrealistic in saying that the Bengals' offense needs to get points on every single drive. But when you get a turnover and you get it at your ball, the ball at the one yard line, and you go backwards 14 yards and get no points in 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 four plays, that's not what you want. When your defense has been out there for a long period of time, they finally get you the ball back and you go three and out. That's not what you want. And and so I, my thing is be a little bit more consistent and 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 play this, you know, cliched phrase that I use a little more, uh, be a little bit better on the complementary football aspect. That's some of the things I think the Bengals can improve upon.
2: Well, I think I agree with you on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, defensive consistency is never a bad thing to improve upon. Um Obviously, it was in the spotlight this week with giving up 34 points to Mike White's Jets, but for the most part, the defense has been really good. And we can kind of look at that as kind of an outlier. And I think we had a question from Black from Russ Blackthorne about is should we take that Jets game with like a grain of salt or something like that? No. I think like the defense is more or less fine with the way it is. It's really comes down to just offensive consistency, which is what you were getting at. I look at just the differences between just overall EPA per play for the offense and just success rate. And we talked about this, uh, I think last week, EPA is just the overall like efficiency on a per play basis, but success rate really tells you about how consistent offenses are at gaining positive plays uh, per dropback. And from an EPA pr- perspective, the Bengals are a top 10 passing offense in the last four weeks, which is when they really unleashed the passing game ever since that uh, Jacksonville Jaguars game. So against the Packers and on this three game road trip, they were a top 10 passing offense, but They were also 19th in success rate. So that tells me that while they're getting these explosive plays, they're not as consistent as the other top passing offenses in the league. And those are the offenses that you can consistently count on to produce against any defense that you go up against. So just uh, avoiding the negative plays in the passing game could really elevate this team to just always contending regardless of the opposition's defense. And until that success rate and that consistency on a per play basis increases, I think we will continue to see some limitations from this offense. And that kind of goes with the offensive line and protecting Joe Burrow because they have been a part of some of those negative plays, but also just with Joe Burrow in general, like unfortunately the turnovers have hurt this offense at critical moments in the game. He's lost a lot of, of, win probability and EPA on some of those turnovers. He is one of the top five quarterbacks in terms of interceptions in general. So that all kind of is involved is enveloped in just overall consistency. And that's probably got to be the most, the thing that most improves as we enter this back half of the season.
1: Yeah, a great question from Russ, and and he's one of our biggest supporters of our show. So thank you, Russ, uh, for always tuning in live and sending us questions and interacting and rallying the troops for giving us thumbs up on our YouTube channel and all kinds of stuff and all the compliments. Appreciate that. And we go to the phones from one big supporter of the show to another longtime supporter of our show our Cincy Jungle podcast channel, and some shows that I was previously on. We've got John from Kentucky on the line. He recently was on Ace Boogie's Q&A show, and now we've got John on ours. John, what's going on, bud? How you doing? Hey, yeah, well, thanks
3: a lot. I appreciate the introduction. That's nice. Uh, Yeah, my question is, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. will not be with Cleveland. I don't see that as a problem for the Browns at all. My opinion, he was basically just wasting their time. Well, how do you see that, Anthony?
1: OBJ, uh, look, I mean, there, there are a lot of people that are out there saying, you know, I, I knew this was never going to work and I, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, look, to me, I, I think if you look back at what had transpired, the Browns needed to start making some of these moves. They kept, for a while, they kept striking out in the draft with, high, high picks. And you can go back to Trent Richardson. You can go back to the myriad of quarterbacks and all this stuff. And so finally, the Browns feel like they got their quarterback in Baker Mayfield. And they kind of feel like, hey, let's let's try and capitalize on this potential championship type window. I know it sounds laughable based on where the Browns were prior to Baker Mayfield and whatnot. But let's try and capitalize on this championship window. Let's get our guy these expensive pieces while he is on a rookie quarterback deal that is manageable for the cap. And let's kind of go all in. And sometimes these things work out really well for the team. Sometimes they do not. Uh, This one for the most part did not. OBJ did not seem like the same guy, not only attitude. Well, I guess he was kind of the same guy a little bit attitude wise, but injuries and production you can make an argument that it was on Baker, John, uh, John Sheeran. I'm going to let him, I'm going to let him <laughs> answer as well. Um, I, you know, you can make an argument that some of that lack of production is on Baker. You can make an argument that when OBJ got the ball, there were quite a few easy drops and whatnot. Is that a lack of attention being paid by him because he was out of the game for a, for a while and he just, you know, wasn't totally focused i don't know there's all kinds of different things but like kind of what i touched on a second ago in a conversation i had on twitter with with russ blackthorne um you know this kind of got to a point where especially this week where you can't let this sit in your locker room you can't let this keep hanging on you can't keep answering these types of questions when you are a 500 team looking to make the playoffs right john sharon
2: Yeah, I think just in regards to this game, I think it honestly would have been better for the Bengals had they kept Odell and had they continued to play him because that seemed to be the crux of some of the offensive issues. It was just Odell being out there. And for whatever reason, he wasn't getting the ball. He wasn't fitting in with the structure of the offense. And he was getting frustrated that he wasn't getting the production that he felt that he deserved to have the opportunity to, to produce. So now that he's out of the building, I think it's honestly a lot similar to the Bengals and Carlos Dunlap when the Bengals traded away Dunlap before they played the Titans. I think a lot of, clarity was provided with that and they were just able to rid themselves of that issue that was brewing in the in the locker room so the fact that Odell is no longer there I think it actually bodes really well for the Browns and just their preparations for this week it goes beyond just the fact that Baker seems to produce more without Odell in the lineup now that distraction is no longer really in the building I think they can focus a lot more for this game
1: so John uh John from Kentucky I don't know if you heard John Sheeran's answer there or not but Basically, he feels that this and this is kind of one of the questions I was going to piggyback on. So I'm glad you went there. Um, you know, I, I, and I want to get your take before we, we move on. John from Kentucky, do you feel that this week having OBJ gone now, um, even though it's late in the week, having it, it gone, do you think that that'll pay immediate dividends or do you feel that, hey, that's that's more of a long term solution? They've had to go through a lot this week and they're still going to be kind of ma- a mess.
3: Well, really, I expect to see the Browns as basically the same team because OBJ was just irrelevant. I mean, Baker threw a few passes to him during the Pittsburgh game. He didn't catch them. Uh, He had some catchable passes that he obviously did not make an effort to get. So I I don't see it as having a great impact on the Browns this Sunday. I don't think it will. Uh, Now, remember last year with that uh, cover one uh, press that we were doing in the defense, and we have William Jackson III, our best corner on the bench. And assuming Von Bell could cover like Ed Reed, which he obviously could not, I'm hoping that we don't see a repeat of that this weekend. I don't think we will. We have much better corners, you know, right now with, uh, uh what's his name? Abuja. Uh, I can't remember if I'm pronouncing that name uh, correctly. Yeah, Abuja, yeah. But, yeah, we're much better there. So, and uh, look, the Jets game, I don't know, our defense was asleep for some reason. So, but I am not holding that against the team. They've made too much progress. As a matter of fact, I've actually made reservations for January the 30th uh, for a
1: big hotel in Cincinnati. Oh, to no.
3: To make the Bengals still bring that that game there. So,
1: you know, I'm not negative at all. Well, hey, I so I may be joining while. you for yeah. that if, if if that's where it comes to. I may uh I may empty the the pocketbook there and make my way back out yes, to yes, Cincinnati sir. there if that if that ends up coming to fruition. Anything else before we hop on out of here, John? Uh, no, no, that that's a, not
3: all. I had it's great talking to you guys again. I do think we will win this weekend
1: in just two days. Hey, thanks, John. Great to hear from you. Keep in touch with us, my man. John from Kentucky. Uh calling in here we want to we've got some other texts and whatnot and uh, we'll get to those shortly too i'm um, always great to hear from john uh john so uh, look um again i i don't i think obviously there's going to be some benefit this week to having obj out of out of the lineup and maybe this was you know the the sitting out of practices over the past couple of days maybe that was just kind of like hey the game plan is not going to involve obj anyway um so you know I, I, maybe that pays a, a little bit of immediate dividends I think this is more something down the road just get rid of the distraction I, I don't know that this has a gigantic impact necessarily this Sunday and uh look I mean even without him OBJ against the Bengals had two touchdowns in four games left one of them very early with that knee injury that ended his season last year no 100 yard contest against the Bengals um so you know I, he's made some plays uh, as has Baker, but other guys have stepped up too. Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think, last last year was kind of the hero there. We talked about that on Wednesday. So, um, wait, Anything else, John, before we move on to our next question here?
2: Yeah, I guess the last thing is the Baker-Mayfield aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jake Trotter, who has been covering Baker since his time in Oklahoma, he now covers the Browns for ESPN. He said that this is arguably the most important game of baker mayfield's football career which i guess is saying something considering wow. the path that he took to get to this point i i just think that with with everything that's going on with the obj situation and people have definitely taken their sides steve smith of nfl network notably uh has taken the side of odell beckham and just calling out baker for i'm paraphrasing here but just not being a good quarterback so i think there's a lot of pressure on on baker to perform well now that this situation has kind of unfolded the way that it has it's worked out in, I guess, his favor and the Browns' favor because they don't have to deal with Odell and because clearly it just wasn't a good fit. So I think this is the first chance for them to prove that they are a better team without him, and it's up to the Bengals to prove that that's not going to matter.
1: That is true. Seeing a couple comments here that, you know, uh, I think it's Curtis Limos saying uh, OBJ demanded attention, him being free, frees up a corner. Yeah, potentially, that's true. Um, and I just feel that, that in general, that the Bengals defense is playing a lot better this year as opposed to last year. So I still, I still expect the Browns to give the Bengals a real, real good fight. Baker Mayfield will probably play a better game than most others we have seen this year, but uh, I don't know where, where are we going next,
2: John? So I wanted to go back to Twitter for a question from governor chief. I'm not sure if this is governor or chief. They are two different people, but one of them is asking what teams have contained miles Garrett, the best this season, What would you want the Bengals to do on Sunday to help contain him?
1: We've got another call that'll come through here in just a second, but we did have the comment you said from governor chief, which he, I think he asked, they asked a couple, which one did you go with again? That was the, uh, asking about uh, miles Garrett. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Like the run, there's one run passer boot, miles Garrett sacks, uh, and then the one before that, what, what teams have contained miles Garrett, the best, I'm going to need to do a little research on that, but, Um, you know the the Browns come into this one pretty banged up and uh, on really on both sides of the ball mostly on offense uh, but you know Miles Garrett remains oddly enough one of their one of their biggest weapons so to speak and one of their best ways to uh, you know get, get a win over the Bengals and so You know, I I think the Bengals need to be very aware of that. Jonah Williams uh, coming off a good game last week, at least in terms of pro football focus scores prior week to that, a a really bad week, especially in the first half against, uh, you know, uh, against uh, the Ravens there. So, I mean, look, they got, they got to do a bunch of different stuff to, to make sure that he is taken out of the equation here. So far this year, I'm looking and uh did I see he had, yeah, that's right, four and a half sacks against the Bears there. Yikes. Um, so, I mean, he's he's up there, I think, right, if I'm doing math, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten and a half already sacks. Am I, am I counting that right already? So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll have to look and see how he has done against other teams. Right now, oddly enough, the Houston Texans blanked him uh, this year. So we'd probably need to go back and see what happened there. But uh Blank Tim only had three total tackles in that game. Otherwise, he has had a sack at least or a half sack at least in every single other game this year. I'm
2: really glad you mentioned the Texans game because that was the game where he has had his lowest pass rushing grade. He did not have a sack or barely any pressures in that game. So I went back and looked at that. It was back in week two. That was 25 pass rushing reps. He was chipped or the running back intended to chip him ten times. I think he actually made contact yeah. maybe seven or eight. And there was just some times where Garrett saw that on the outside the running back was waiting there to try to contact with him and he just kind of stunted his rush towards the inside. And that is that was actually uh how he generated basically all of his pressure that game. Laramie Metunsell is the Texans left tackle, so he's a really talented right. guy. Right. That it's up to Jonah Williams, man. Like there's there's no containing Miles Garrett. That is the one variable that every team that plays the Browns has to accept that's going to happen. Miles Garrett is going to get his just like Aaron Donald is going to get his when you play the Rams. But Miles Garrett plays a position where it's actually easier to rush the quarterback. It's just not possible to slow him down. It's not possible to stop him from just getting into the backfield at some point in the game. And the Bengals have dealt with this for the past four years. They have so much tape on Garrett. They know exactly who he is. They have a left tackle that they're confident in, but they're going to have to give him help at, at times in this game. So Samaji Pirine, Chris Evans, Joe Mixon, whoever's in the backfield, one one of them is gonna to have to stay in to help out with Miles Garrett, at least for a third of his pass rushing snaps, because if not, that four-sack game against the Bears, it could be replicated.
1: Yeah, and the, the other equation to that obviously is Drew Sample maybe maybe chipping there. And then of course uh Uzama chipping in there on on some blocking attempts. So yeah, I mean that's that's kind of what it's gonna take there. And, and one thing I guess you can kind of say whoop de doo but one thing I have noticed, knock on wood, that Joe Burrow has improved upon. He has always had good pocket awareness from his days back at LSU and all the way up through his year and a half with the Bengals. But one thing I have noticed this year, as opposed to his rookie year, he has been a, a bit more aware of where rushers are coming, especially if they are blindside rushers and has avoided that devastating sack fumble type of play this year. He's taken some sacks and you kind of go, man, I wish you just didn't hang on to the ball that long or just throw it away. A couple times, I, I remember that Packers game, he threw one where he was, he was pressured, rolled out a little bit, tried to make something happen to open the third quarter and uh, threw that interception. But you know, Uh, otherwise, the sack fumble stuff that we saw against the Ravens last year, I think against the Browns as well, I'd have to go back and look, but that seemed to be somewhat prevalent last year, not so much this year, and that's something they're going to need to avoid with Garrett.
2: Pretty much, man. Like, again, it's going to be the focal point of their game plan, but there's only so much you can do to limit him without handicapping the rest of your offense, which is just, it goes to show you how valuable that that type of player is. They don't make that type of player every single year. He is a generational type of edge rusher, and he
1: deserves all the attention because of it. Absolutely. So we have a caller on the line. Uh, who? Who's this? Hey, Max from Cincinnati.
4: Man. Hey, Max. What's going on, bud? Not much, man? I just had a I had a couple comments that I wanted to uh,
1: share with you guys. In the
4: question, uh, comment. Uh, first comment is about the game that just passed. I uh, I just I'm well. Um, luckily, uh, with this exciting time in the NFL media now, we haven't, they haven't had much time to beat up too badly on the news about <clears throat> what happened. So i will be thankful for all of the craziness that's been coming out this week in a way, right? <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, but no, um, that last game, one of the notions that I've been hearing a lot repeated about this, like, let down track game, it just kind of irritates me because there are, like, direct reasons why, like, there's like direct reasons why we lost that game. Not because people didn't play hard, but like to me, a large part of it was the game, the defensive game play. like in the refusal to adjust to the fact that it wasn't working. That is like to me one of the biggest red flags to come out of that game. You know, we people talk about the missed tackles and all that. And yeah, that's a factor, but your defense is on the field so long. Well, you know what I mean? One of the one of the one of the factors of a tired defense is poor tackling. And if you look at most of the games where we had poor tackling and you look at how long the defense is on the field during those games because of, as you so eloquently put it, <laughs> the, the the lack of offensive consistency and sustained mm-hmm. drives, which is what I've been preaching since like week three. Mm-hmm. Um, but because our defense has to stay on the field for so long, there's going to be breakdowns eventually, and they, there's only but so much energy you can have, you know? And then a lot of those games are like longer games, or over in overtime. Like, those yeah. are just going to be breakdowns in defense when your offense isn't helping play people. You know? That's, um, and when I was watching this Jets game, just watching them keep playing zone. I, like, I was like, sitting here and I'm thinking to myself as I'm watching it, they're just getting free, easy eight yard passes because we keep dropping 10 yards in the zone. You know, like, and they, just watching Jamison Crowder catch hitch pass after hitch pass for eight yards. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, what are, what is gonna change it? And the reason why that worries me is because one of the one of the, my biggest worries about this coaching staff is their apparent stubbornness to their ways, right? It can work, but it's also a fault. You know, same thing with the Jim Turner thing. You guys kept telling us Jim Turner's gonna work out, oh he's doing great, oh he's gonna work out, He's gonna turn around. And we see how that went. You know what I mean? And granted, Lou has been having success this year, but he's been playing with a defense. And I like to put the money sign where the S is in the defense. It's two hundred and twenty-five million dollars spent on defense. <laughs> you know, if you think mm-hmm. about it, yeah, your defense should be pretty good with that kind of resource invested in it. So um, we'll see how that goes. So that's that's comment number one about that game, the Jets game. Also, people are talking about, oh, how did the, how did the, how did those Jets that played last night beat the team? You guys gotta remember, they lost their Hall of Fame quarterback. They weren't playing with the yep. Like, like it's, it just wasn't <laughs> happening. So, that's another thing you got to take into consideration. And uh, to my question, um, I've been hearing a lot of people question the value of Jesse Bates and his performance this year. And I was wondering if you guys had any thoughts on that. My personal thoughts are that I feel that he's being asked to do something different now that this defense is all healthy. And maybe he hasn't been having to play such a prominent role. Like uh, he hasn't been put in a position to where he's had to make as many attempts on the ball. And when I've watched him I've seen like yes, I've seen some of his tackles, but I've also seen him blow up screens four or five yards in the backfield. So I hear a whole bunch of Justin Bates slander going on and I'm just like, Where is it (laughs) where is it coming from? The PFF numbers? Like, no, we all know those are very inconsistent. So But um sorry I'm out after no, you're Thank good.
1: We, for me on. No, appreciate we, we appreciate it. it. We had you we had you on hold for a little while there. We apologize for that, but thanks for hanging on. Thanks for all of your comments. A lot of good stuff, both comments and questions there to sift through, and we're gonna do that. But great to hear from you again, bud. Uh don't be a stranger and we'll we'll talk to you soon.
4: Absolutely. You right. to today.
1: Take care. Uh so let's see. Where which, which one do we want to start there? I guess, you know, he kind of uh, talked quite a bit about the Jets game and and the concerns there. We talked quite a bit about that on Wednesday, so I don't want to, you know, beat a dead horse a little bit there. But some of the themes that he mentioned were pretty pretty consistent in terms of lack of lack of adjustments. The the mind boggling idea of allowing my uh, Mike White in his first start to get comfortable with rhythm passes that are short, easy completions, and in lieu of trying to not allow him to disallow him to do that you wanted to be worried about what mike white was going to do beating you deep in his first career at nfl start i i don't really understand that mindset and then you didn't really alter that game plan um <clears throat> interesting uh kind of parallel in terms of the, the defense potentially being tired because they've been asked to be out there for a lot of snaps the overtime stuff all of that uh is is very interesting to me john i don't know if you want to kind of Talk about that. And then, of course, the Jesse Bates question that he had at the end there.
2: Yeah, we talked enough about being confused of the Bengals defense was doing. I think we just attributed to just not knowing what to expect. But he's right. Like Mike White makes a difference. And that's why that's why quarterbacks, they affect the spread so much. Um, Vegas thought that a backup to Zach Wilson would be even worse than Zach Wilson. But turns out it could not be better um, (laughs) in comparison to Zach Wilson. So no one knew that that's what Mike white was capable of and no one, especially the Bengals knew. So, you know, that is kind of how that went, but also in terms of just being on the field for too much. Yeah. The jets ran 81 plays. And part of that was because the Bengals couldn't sustain drives at times. You look at just the third down um, metrics here, the Bengals were successful on 11 of their third down plays. All of them were passes. They couldn't s- stay on the field offensively. And that led to the jets getting the ball back too many times. And, running the clock down on the Bengals and running 81 total plays. So that's just kind of how that happens, especially when your defense is clueless on how to defend a quarterback that you didn't expect to play and didn't expect to, you know, torch you in the way that they did. Um, in regards to the Lou and rumo in comparison to Jim Turner, I don't know. Like I'm, I've already kind of accepted that in a better than what I originally gave him credit for. So I don't feel like it now is the time to flip flop back on that. Yeah. But in fairness to him, Like, I get it. There's a a lot of money invested in this defense, but I mean, people are still claiming that this defense is just a defense filled with no name guys, despite a lot of the money thrown out there. And I think there's some weight to that. It's not a superstar filled defense like there are a lot of notable names on offense. It's just a lot of guys that are maximizing their value here. Jadobi Wouzier is playing incredible compared to what he's being paid. DJ Reader's not exactly a household name, but he's playing like the best nose tackle in the NFL. Trey Hendrickson, just that whole contract got berated by my, by myself and a lot of other analysts, and he's playing out of his mind. So, yeah, there's a lot of money here on defense, but it's not like there's the Rams where it's Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and now Von Miller. Like he's, he's maximizing these guys' ability, and I think that's worth something. And just to finish off with Jesse Bates, yeah, people get all on with PFF, but no one was complaining about PFF when they had Jesse Bates as the top safety in the NFL last year. There's a reason why those numbers are down. He's not been that consistent in coverage. He's made a lot of plays against the run and it plays close to the line of scrimmage, but we're not seeing the same Jesse Bates out there, and that's being reflected in those metrics.
1: Yeah, it's it's a great point there. I guess I just wonder why. You know, is this is it a role change? Is it? The fact that he it doesn't have to be necessarily Superman with a defense that has been reconstructed and, and added many of those names that you add, that you mentioned that are helping the overall defensive performance is it a, a, a you know maybe a hesitancy I'm in a contract year I don't want to you know I don't want a big injury I I, I don't know uh, it could be a myriad of factors. He is not playing the same. Uh, he is still a very valuable member of this team. He had a, a big interception last week. I just wish he took it one more yard into that end zone. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I and, and we've seen this from Jesse Bates time and time again in his career. One half of the season, he's not that great, uh, whether it's the first half or the second half of the season. And then the other half of the season, he's outstanding. So, I mean, we've—that's been who Jesse Bates has been throughout his entire Bengals career. It's a lot of tale of two seasons within one season, right? I mean, it's just he's just a different player over stretches of time, and and now is when it, he's going to need to start playing his best football because you've got two games against Baker Mayfield, you've got another one against Lamar Jackson, you've got another one against Ben Roethlisberger, you've got Patrick Mahomes coming up so he's going to need to play some of his best football and hopefully even though the first half of the season hasn't gone the way that we had hoped statistically or even pff metric wise hopefully the second half of the season ends up being you know something where where we go okay that's uh, this this is now cementing the notion of this guy needs to be paid
2: yeah and it's up to him to prove that he's worth what he wants and that he deserves that contract that he wanted in the offseason didn't get so nine games to go for him we had a question from da waters in the facebook chat and asking about another player who's kind of underperformed why haven't they replaced trey hopkins when he's been bad all year and it's slowing down the run game um before i pass it to you anthony i think there's a very simple answer to this they have no replacement the one replacement they have Trey Hill he's been penalized once every 20 snaps I don't <laughs> think they trust him to take over for Trey Hopkins and despite the struggles for Trey Hopkins he has had his good moments it's not like it's been all bad Russell Bodine 2.0 out there it's just that yeah like there, there are some issues with Trey Hopkins and I think that's something they have to evaluate in the offseason but there's not a lot that they can do right now.
1: This goes back to what the last caller, Amac said uh, in terms of some of the stubbornness within this organization and within the coaching staff. And that's, that's kind of ingrained in the DNA of the the Browns for, for both good reasons and bad reasons, the stubbornness and, and, you know, unwilling to kind of waver from some of your foundational beliefs. And, and, you know, there's a lot of good in that, but sometimes it can come back and bite you too, in terms of that rigidity. But Uh, This is, this is where I I wish the Bengals kind of said, you know, Trey Hopkins is going to start for us. His rehab's going well, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all offseason, You could have monitored that closely, but still had a contingency plan in place. And like, like you said, the one that they drafted is a guy who was struggling might mightily and he was a late day three pick. Um, So the upside there, I like Trey, Trey Hill, but you know, I, I don't, I don't know that I necessarily, I think he is a developmental guy. He is not ready to be any kind of NFL starter at this point in time. He's struggling even as a backup, as you mentioned. So I, I think that, I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter at this point. I just wish that the Bengals were uh, just a little more flexible in their in their thoughts. And I know they want to be loyal to a guy who has been awesome to them in Trey Hopkins in a number of different ways, leadership-wise, and done has done everything that has been asked of him from this organization and more. And, but I mean, at the same time, if he's, if he's not the same guy, if he's not ready to play or what have you, you know, you needed to have recognized that. And, or at least, even if you believed he was ready to play, you needed to have something better in place to be able to say, you know, all right, we got to have someone step in here.
2: And it could have been Billy Price, but they decided to get a better player in B.J. Hill. And we had Big Jim Slade saying in the comments that Billy Price is having a better year than Trey Hopkins. But that's not really saying that much, considering how bad Hopkins has been. And also, Billy Price isn't exactly lighting the world on fire with the Jets. If we want to go by PFF grades, Billy Price is the 27th-ranked center on PFF compared to Trey Hopkins, who is unfortunately at the very bottom. The bad has been bad for Trey Hopkins. There's no denying that, but it's not like it's been an every-snap issue for them.
1: Correct. Uh, Let's see here. Um. Oh, this is a good one. I think this is from Richard in five in the five one three here. Do you think this game, since we lost to the Jets and Bears, decides the trajectory of the season? This game meaning the one against the Browns. Personally, I'm on the quote. This game decides the season's fate. This season decides Zach's fate. Zach's fate. Zach's career decides the franchise's fate. Type of type of boat. Uh, you could go six and three with three and O oh and the division is a lot better than five and four and two and one in the division. I don't know that it decides the fate of this season. I don't think it decides the fate of Zach Taylor. I mean, but here's the deal though, John, this is a game that you can in a series in which you cannot in the eyes of, of Mike Brown and, and his family, you cannot consistently lose to the Browns in this rivalry, despite what your overall record is in a season it's why Marvin part of the reason why Marvin Lewis stuck around for so long. He had a high, high amount of success against the Cleveland Browns. And so Zach Taylor has one win in four trades, one and three against this team. So they need to start beating this team. And this this is seemingly an opportune time with the injuries, the OBJ drama, Baker's hurt, all that kind of stuff. It seems like an opportune time to take advantage of this team and really make yourself Set yourself up well for the rest of the year. I don't think it ruins the season. I think if the Browns ru- lose, it ruins their season. But I, I, I think uh, if, if you're the Bengals, if you lose this one, it doesn't torpedo your season, but it makes things a lot more difficult on yourself to get into the playoffs.
2: But it definitely sounds cool, right? It's there's no better way to market a game than saying this game in week nine and the first weekend of November decides the entire fate of the season. Not just that, but the fate of the head coach's entire
1: plan. Come on, man. I love the shifty eyes. I love the shifty eyes there.
2: If they if they lose, they're still what second in the division because they have the tiebreaker over the Steelers. If the Steelers win, they're still two-one. And then they have a buy to really figure things out. Like, no, this this game does not decide the fate of the season. That doesn't happen until there's playoff um births and misses on the
1: line. I will say this uh, I'll say these two things before we we move on here. number one, the browns and what they're saying they are treating this as an absolute must win. I think it was Jarvis Landry who's come out and said we got we have to win this game, et cetera et cetera et cetera. Uh, but number two this is this game will tell me quite a bit about this team not necessarily again that'll it torpedo their season if they lose, but how do you respond at home against a huge division rival, a team that's in the playoff hunt that you are facing and coming off of that loss to the jets, that embarrassing loss to the jets. How do you respond? What adjustments do you make? Especially because we're talking about a largely healthy roster for the most part for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, it, it, I think it just, you know, how do they, how much to heart do they take that loss? It seems like Joe Burrow is stewing about, about that loss to the, <laughs> to the jets. So, uh, you know, to me, I think even though if they lose, it won't torpedo their season, um, how they come out and how they perform. And if they win and how they potentially win, uh, I don't know about you, John, but that'll that'll tell me a lot about this team based on the, the ability to rebound. In, in
2: fairness, the two previous losses of the season, they've responded with not just a win, but back-to-back wins. They haven't compounded losses. They haven't made losses any worse than just a, a one-week affair. So there is that. Also, this, I think, playing a divisional team coming off of that week really helps just in terms of familiarity with what to yeah. expect. And I think now that they have clarity on the OBJ situation, they know what offense they're um, prepared to face. They know what the Browns are capable of defensively, specifically with Miles Garrett in the defensive line. There's familiarity with that. And I think that will definitely help them in their preparation and also just to stay focused. We throw out all these terms about, oh, who wants it more and who's more desperate, but both these teams are desperate, but both these teams know each other really well, so everything in that sense is pretty equal.
1: That is a fantastic point, and it kind of reminds me a little bit of what we had said a couple of weeks ago when we said, you know, the Bengals and how they rebuilt their defense over the past couple of seasons is specifically for Baltimore. Yes, I'm making fun of myself, but while I still believe that, and that is true, this is another game wherein the Larry Ogunjobi acquisition, the DJ Reader acquisition, hanging on to Josh Tupo, the linebackers that they drafted last year, and the additions they made this year as well on defense. I think that, like you said, the way that Cleveland is is formulating their offense, they, they like to run the ball, they like to run play action, they right like to run bootlegs. Um, so I think you bring up a great point that this also is a game wherein the Bengals' defensive reconstruction over the past couple of, of years has kind of been this game also is one that they've likely focused on in terms of you know we have to absolutely be better on defense against this team
2: yeah getting run over by nick chubb and cream humble do that to you two times a year yeah so we had we had a question from zach Gospool on twitter i hope i'm pronouncing that last name right he's asking with the season about halfway finish who amongst the guys playing on one-year prove-it deals do you see the Bengals re-signing for
1: next season I like this question here. We'll pin this up in just a second. Uh so the, the essentially it was, yeah. Well, who amongst the guys playing on one year prove it deals? Do you see the Bengals resigning? Uh, you know, I, I really hope that they resign Larry Ogan Joby. Uh, I, I think he has been a, a great acquisition. I think mm-hmm. Awuzie has been another good acquisition. Can we count? Do we count Jesse Bates on a one-year prove it deal <laughs> at this point? Kind right. It. Yeah. Um, I, I think um in terms of value consistency and and all of that i i would i would if we're talking free agents uh, that they brought in on, on rental deals i would say i would say ogan joby is probably a guy that i i think that i would i would look at uh, initially or or towards the top of the priority list because you know if you're if you're able to get that interior pressure if you're able to get interior push along with the addition you have in hendrickson and Hubbard having a nice year. Uh, and then, you know, if looking to next year, you get Joseph Osai back as an edge rusher. If you're able to continue to get some help from the interior, as the Bengals have done, I, I think Ogan Joby's got to be towards the top of the list.
2: Yeah, I would say that at least one, if not both, of Ogan Joby and BJ Hill return off of their one year deals. Obviously, Ogan Joby's going to be looking for more money. And if he gets yeah. that money from somewhere else, then uh, absolutely more power to him. He's played great this year. Um, but I think they're going to want to keep at least one of them so they don't have a glaring hole at three technique spot. Riley Reef, I think, would come back on a one-year deal, too, just because I think Paul Dinner Jr. said this the best. If if he's looking to compete in the twilight of his career, he's made enough money at this point. He's found an offensive line that he seems to fit. I think there's there would be no issue with bringing him back for another one-year deal, especially if they're trying to groom a replacement, whether it be Jackson Carmen, Deontay Smith, or maybe a draft pick. If they don't want to have one of those three start immediately, than just having Reef here for another year while he's still a decent player, that would be a thing. And in regards to Bates, at the very least, he's going to be playing on the franchise tag if they right. don't get an extension done. So there's no real need to worry about that. But Reef and one of the two defensive tackles seems like the the most likely guys that are going to be brought back.
1: Now, I, I looked at over the cap recently, or, or it was either over the cap or. Um... Uh, Spotrac, I can't remember which one, and I I thought I had remembered when Reef signed that it, there was an option kind of kind of second year thing in his contract. It kind of noted that at least on Spotrac um, for for next year, where I don't know that he's I don't know. I, I we'd have to go back and look at that. I think because I, I seemingly remember that there was some sort of option. Uh, I'm I'm to, pretty uh, sure
2: it was just like a it was just a void year just to spread out the the cabinet okay. for, for this okay. season. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. Well then, yeah, he's he's another guy that you you would you would definitely look at. We'll get to more in just a second here. Before we do, we were a little late on it, but we got to tell you all about what's going on at Symbol S I M B U L L, and of course the website S I M B U L L dot app backslash O B I. We'll pin that in the live chats for you as well. Symbol is where if you like playing the stock market, if you like playing fantasy football, if you like playing survival football, you got to check out Symbol. They do it right, and you can sign up through there, get started immediately, invest in teams, whether it's short-term or long-term, like the Cincinnati Bengals or even in other sports. Baseball's now done, but basketball is, is, is starting here. You can still work into the baseball realm if you wanted to do that, but they've got a lot of different things going on and a specific promotion that not a lot of platforms give listeners, but you got to use our promo code OBI. And what is that promo, John?
2: That's right. If you go to symbol.app backs OBI and use the promo code OBI, you get symbol is offering you get this $500 first initial deposit completely risk free for the first 90 days. That means up to $500 that you can deposit using the promo code OBI. And you can invest in the Symbol market. You can do whatever you want for the first three months that, that you do so. And if you like Symbol and you want to continue using it and you want to keep your money where your investments are, that's great. Then then you're fully in. But if you don't like the market, if you're losing money, if you, if you just realize that it's not for you, then you can pull out every. A single penny that you invested in the symbol market 100% risk free. That is the benefit of using the promo code OBI and getting in on some of this action right now because things are hot, man. You have the Cleveland Browns with their whole OB, OB, OBJ situation. If you want to invest in the Browns thinking that they're going to improve without him on the roster, you can invest in the Sim Browns. If you want to, Deinvest or to take your money out of the Sim Packers or invest low because their stock's about the drain with what Aaron Rodgers just said on the Pat McAfee show. You can do that on the Sim NFL market, but there's also the NHL market, the MLB market, the NBA market, and the college football market. There's a yeah. lot of ways for you to invest in your favorite teams on the Symbol market, but you got to go to symbol.app backslash OBI, use the promo code OBI and get your 500 risk-free first deposit. It's a, it's a great deal.
1: It is a great deal and we are... Happy about the partnership there. Kenneth Giles, uh, a great guy. We've had him on the show a couple times. He was on about a month or so ago. And, of course, it was right before that big Packers game. A lot of stuff going on with Packers right now, so I don't know how he's quite feeling about all that. But uh, had to be feeling good about, about that win at least and actually their overall record at any rate. Go check out Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot A-P-P backslash O-B-I. We're going to be here a few more minutes, so get those questions in. We've been trying to get to a number of them on Twitter and the live chats and, of course, calls and texts. We've had a ton of them, which has been awesome. Uh, where are we going next, John?
2: Well, f- well, for starters, I feel like we just um, did not mention an obvious answer in the last question. I think we can both agree that Quinn Spain is also going oh, yeah. to come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, just, just felt like we need to, need yeah. needed to address that. He's been playing
1: like, very well this year. Yeah.
2: Very, very clear omission on, on our part. Um, yeah. But I, I had uh, someone send me a question a couple weeks ago, and I feel bad for not getting into it until now. But uh, Fred Taylor on Twitter was asking, How do we see the 53 man roster and practice squad shaking out with players coming off the IR? So we asked this at the end of October, and now it's a lot easier to answer because we just had Akeem Um We saw him get activated. Uh, towards the roster as well as the claiming of Vernon uh, Hargraves off of waivers so those two moves took Darius Hodge off the roster and cornerback Nick McLeod off the roster but there are still a couple other guys who could come back this season from injured reserves specifically Trey Waynes and Xavier Suofilo so I guess Anthony Assuming Suofilos gets healthy within the within the near future, do we see maybe Fred Johnson getting cut or maybe some other player on the roster? And really now there's seven cornerbacks on the roster right now. If Trey Waynes is able to come back, is that just the end of Trey Flowers' time here? Or maybe that's the end of Vern Hargraves' time?
1: Yeah, I would I would see a corresponding positional move there if Trey Waynes does come back. But at this point, it's kind of like if he comes back. I mean, I, 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 I hamstring injuries they linger. Uh, It didn't sound like there was any kind of hamstring tear or any kind of issues of that nature with Trey Waynes. It sounded like this was going to be a short-term IR stint, but I mean, here we are again with him and it's weeks and weeks and weeks. It would be great to get him back towards the end of the season as as a little extra help there, but I, I just wouldn't bank on it. But I would think that if Waynes comes back, a corresponding position group move would be made. I don't know what they would do on offensive line there. Uh, if, you know, if, and when Suafilo comes back, uh, you know, I mean, there, there are probably some, some guys there that may, maybe it's Trey Hill that they, they kind of, they cut and then he gets brought back on the practice squad or something of that nature. I don't know, but, uh, you know, I, I would think the corresponding position group moves would be made if those guys return and when those guys may return, but, uh, you know, it's, it's it's a mixed bag. Only they know kind of who were their, you know, those those players on the bubble. Maybe, maybe it's one of those lower end wide receivers, uh, you know, a Trent Irwin who has bounced on and off the roster a little bit. Maybe he's a the guy they look at. I don't know.
2: Yeah, and I I guess it is a little premature to assume that Waynes is coming back. It's just a matter of how the hamstring holds up. The fact that it's been nagging him the entire season doesn't really bode well for it being healthy anytime soon. I think he was seen rehabbing on the practice field along with Suofilo. So at the very least, there is some expectation that they are making progress. And the fact that they have a bye week next week gives them more time to miss as, as little amount of play time as possible. There's also Deontay Smith, who is technically on IR potential to return. He hasn't been, I think, officially declared out for the season despite having a meniscus-type injury. He suffered a couple weeks ago. So if, if he's able to come back at the very end of the season, there's also a move that they would have to make because – well, maybe not. I don't know if they would force Deontay Smith to come back if they have at least nine healthy bodies there. So that that is just that's just the other guy who's eligible to come back, along with, I guess, Wyatt Hubert, who was also on the non-injured reserve list with uh, Hakeem Adenogy. So if Adenogy can come back this early, then maybe there's hope for Wyatt Hubert to do the same.
1: Yeah, that'd be nice to get a little extra. I mean, I know the Bengals and their fans have really wanted the, you know, an additional edge rusher addition Uh, in the trade deadline, et cetera. We're going to be here just a couple more minutes. Uh, Let's go to Josh in Virginia. So the Bengals are in the middle of a playoff push. They've got a big game on Sunday. They've got all kinds of things going on. So what do we need to address? The draft of next year, 2022 draft. And top positions for next year. Uh, Top three draft picks right now, position-wise, for the Bengals as we sit here today. Look, we all know this too, but the Bengals don't always like to pigeonhole themselves into we need this position going into the draft. They like to take oftentimes the best player available. I know sometimes that coincides with each other, but at any rate, John, uh Josh wants to know top three positions as the Bengals maybe look to the draft. Not right now, but next year.
2: Cornerback, right tackle, center with Edge as like a close third, maybe. Um, I think they still want to see who just Joseph Asai is in the regular season. So that is a solid third edge rusher to have, assuming that he looks like the guy who he was in the first week of the preseason. But having a long-term replacement for Riley Reef, having a long-term replacement for Trey Waynes, I don't think there's anything more important than that. And then obviously center being the least important of those three positions, um, you can find a quality center after those guys.
1: Hard to disagree with you there. I will say this: How would you feel? Because uh, Wayne's is on a three-year deal, right? Uh, so, how would you feel? Say Wayne's comes back, plays a handful of games, and plays at a solid level. You've got a woozy. I misspoke earlier, and I said a is on a one-year deal. I think he's on a two-year deal or something like that. So, Three. gonna, yeah, three-year deal. Thank you. Um, so I, I, I misspoke twice. Look at that. Uh, but if you, how do you feel then? If you're getting what you're getting from a Wozier, Wayne's comes back. He plays, uh, he plays relatively well or, or at a decent level for the, you know, the, maybe the remainder of the season or a handful of games. And you look to next year, you still have those two under contract. Woozier being pretty young, Wayne's at a at a decent age. Obviously expensive, particularly Wayne's. I don't know. It, does cornerback still kind of remain up towards the top for you, or do you kind of say, well, yeah, let's let's work on those trenches.
2: I'd still think so, just because of how solid they are as a team overall, and they don't have like many pressing needs um, aside those positions. I think just the fact that Wayne has been hurt as much as he has been in the first two years, that's no real fault to him. But I think the team just has to recognize that and just prepare some contingencies. And there's no better contingency than just to draft a long-term replacement in the first round. Very rare for cornerbacks to immediately come in and dominate at a high level. I think we're seeing some for the Browns specifically, with Greg Newsome, he's playing really well as a rookie. But and that's Diggs. really, that yeah, and yeah, Trayvon Diggs, who yeah, uh, yeah. so the, the expectation it doesn't always match what right. you know some of the some of the hopes are. But I think that is as good of a contingency plan, specifically when you have that expensive of a starter who just has not been on the field very much in his first two
1: years. One sneaky one, and it goes back to the question we had about one guys playing on one year deals, et cetera. Uh, tight end. He, Drew Samples disappointed. C.J. Uzama's on, a, on the last year of his deal, a, a free agency deal that he signed uh, a couple of years ago. So maybe, I mean, it's not up there because of maybe how they value that position in this offense, but that's something to kind of keep in mind. I think we would all like to see C.J. Uzama back. He's having a, a nice year for the Bengals, but uh, that is kind of a position group that probably needs a little bit of, uh, of revamping as well. Um any, any others you want to get to, John? We're running up uh, pretty long here. We've gotten to a bunch of questions, which is awesome. But uh, any others that we need to get to before we hop out of here?
2: So ha- have you listened to the the Athletic Bengals uh, podcast with Dana Jr. and Morrison? hmm Yeah, so they have a segment on there for anyone who is not familiar with it called Run, Pass, or Boot, which is based off of the touchdown song that the Bengals play mm-hmm. after the score a touchdown. And, and for anyone who doesn't know, the, the basis of it is – um, if you run with something, you are the most confident in happening in happening. If you pass on something, you are somewhat confident, but not as confident as running with it. And if you boot on it, you are the least amount confident with that compared to the other options. So it's typically a question with three, uh, potential options for you to order in a certain confidence. So governor chief, I think I'm assuming this is chief's question. Now I'm, I'm assuming governor was the first one. So this is going to be chief's question. He's asking to run, pass or boot for us for this game. Miles Garrett sacks. Jamar Chase touchdowns and Browns offensive turnovers. So turnovers at the Bengals defense forces. So how would you order that in a run pass or boot format?
1: Run being the the most sure, pass being yes. the second most sure, and boot being the least least sure. I would say um, I would say Jamar Chase touchdowns, run. Miles Garrett sacks pass. Browns committing turnovers boot. Um, and the reason I say that Jamar Chase has, I think, essentially scored a touchdown in every single game so far this season. If not, all but I, one. I think it's all but one. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, he's he's if you just kind of play the law of averages, there he's he's bound to get in the end zone. Uh, Miles Garrett, kind of the same deal. Ten and a half sacks through the through the first half of the season here. I, I do think Jonah Williams will have a a good showing this week, and I think the Bengals will do whatever. But, I mean, even him getting a half or one sack, I mean, that's, that's kind of a, I don't know, I'm, I'm just kind of banking on that in one respect or another. The Bengals did have three turnovers last week, but that was against the Jets. That was against Mike White in his first start. And as Mike White settled in, he didn't, did you know, he did not, uh, did not turn the ball over later in the game in the second half. Baker Mayfield has had some of his best games as a professional football player against the Cincinnati Bengals. So that is where I at. I would say run Jamar Chase, touchdown, pass Miles Garrett Sachs, boot Browns t- committing turnovers.
2: Yeah, Mayfield for all of his warts this season, he's only thrown three interceptions. Um I don't know how that reflects in terms of how many potential interceptions he may have been able to throw this year. So yeah, he's not he's not necessarily high in pffs uh, turnover worthy plays. He's had six so three interceptions, six turnover worthy mm-hmm. plays that typically means that you're taking care of the ball pretty well. The Bengals did force three turnovers against the Jets, but a lot of that was kind of luck too, not necessarily mistakes on Mike White's fault. So it does seem like Brown's turnovers is like the least likely, whereas you have to assume that Miles Garrett's going to get a sack in every game that he's played. But on the flip side, Mark chase has been really consistent in finding the end zone. So I do think that it's the most likely, just the way that it's ordered right now, run with Miles Garrett sacks at least one, one and a half, pass with with the, maybe at least one Jamar chase touchdown and no more than I guess one Browns turnover just because of how well they've been taking care of the ball despite their offensive flaws I, I think it's entirely likely that all three of these have end up having one of each but I think just in terms of likelihood you have to bank on Moss Garrett at least finding Burrow at least once
1: Uh Hard to disagree, hard to disagree. And hopefully, hopefully I'm wrong about those Bengals turnovers because with no OBJ and uh, with the Browns kind of struggling with some injuries on offense, et cetera, it'd be, it'd be great to get some turnovers. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll get one or so, but again, Baker Mayfield has played some of his best football against the Bengals, which is uh, not easy to say because his personality type is, uh, if he's not on your team, I don't know how much, how much, uh, people dig his personality type but that's just me uh anything else that we want to get to before we hop out of here we're going up on an hour john so uh anything else we need to get to
2: i have a question man any plans for this weekend
1: plans for the weekend not really i think we're gonna we have some friends that they have a, a little son that's uh, got a little birthday so we might just pop by, hang out and say hello for a little bit. And uh, obviously game on Sunday. My son's got some soccer on Saturday. So kind of things here and there, but nothing, nothing too great. And I'm sure talking about kids' birthday parties and kids playing soccer and whatnot just is something that sounds so, oh so lovely to <laughs> to yourself there. I know. <laughs> uh, but hey, that's, that's what I got going. How about you? What do you, you, you probably hitting, hitting the links or anything? You played any golf or too cold for that
2: now. You know, I'm as much as I like golf, I don't like golfing in the cold. Um, some of my friends are really into it because no one else is out there and it's kind of cheaper, but it, golfing it's in like the cold bricks. is not for me. It, yeah, honestly, yeah. It, it's either the, the ground is really wet because it's rainy and cold or it's really dry and it's just uncomfortable to hit those irons. So that's not really for me. I'll just wait until April or May. Uh, Saturday, though, if anyone's watching College doing? Game Day, I'll be a I'll be a little dot in the, in the background. You're going. Definitely All won't right. be able to see. But yeah, it's mean and some friends gonna gonna crash the party, and hopefully they kill Tulsa by about forty, so they can not move down in the next rankings.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, are you, you making a sign? You gonna have like one of those big, the big head, enlarged heads of? I don't know Luke Fickle or I don't know somebody. I'm
2: not. I'm not gonna make a sign, but I'm gonna see if I can hold the Washington State flag. I'm gonna see if it's there first off,
1: but I'm gonna see if okay. I'm gonna be able to hold it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll keep an eye out for. It. If you get it, if if someone out there, I'll, I'll try and watch it too. If someone out there gets a shot of John Sheeran at the university of Cincinnati on on ESPN game day, we want to see it. Send it, send it to us for sure. For sure. But have fun, man. That's, that's killer. That's, I think I went one time a long time ago at, at a USC game when they were there and that was just way fun, way fun.
2: Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's exciting. Um, I was I was curious where, why they put it where they did because you see doesn't have a lot of grass and open area. They had this one area where a lot of people tailgate, and I thought that's where they would put it. But they put it like in this very condensed, I still albeit still kind of open area, but not a lot of room for just th- this massive gathering of people. So I'll be interested to see what the layout looks like in uh, in IRL. So I'll, I'll definitely I'll get some pictures up there and hopefully have a yeah. good time.
1: Yeah. I want to, I want to see it. I had a, I had a great time at uh, UC at the UC game when I went to it and um, great people and really fun atmosphere. And obviously they're having a really special season despite getting jobbed in the, uh, in the, in the rankings there, at least in our humble opinions, have a good time, dude. Have fun, everybody. Thank you so much for all of the questions. We tried to get to as many as possible. We, we were monitoring all kinds of different things. So we apologize if we didn't get to yours, but Keep them coming in. We do these every other week and sometimes a little more frequent than that, depending on what's going on, but every other week. And then we've got the headline happening headline show. We've got our Wednesday show. We've got fantasy football. We've got all kinds of different stuff happening on our channel. And then, of course, you've got the great stuff from Ace and Zim on Orange is the New Black. Zim just interviewed Dan Horde, so go check that one out. That was pretty cool. And then, of course, you've got some great stuff from the Coach, Matt Minnick, Coach Speak, and Chalk Talk all on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. That is available on your favorite audio streamer, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, any of the major ones. We're there. And of course, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel at the logo right below John's uh, wild man shirt he's got going on there. I like it. Uh, rock that shirt tomorrow, dude. I might, I might. <laughs> we'll take care. Have a good one. You too, man. All right. Take it easy, everybody. We'll see you next time.